The show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Tuesday afternoon in California's Central Valley right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation. As we look at the fact, it is T-minus 49 days. T-minus 49 days until November 8, 2022. Those are the midterm elections. And again, our commitment to you to provide as much information as we can that you can use to become an informed voter, to put it into your mix of information and come out with a rational, well-researched, reasonable perspective on who you think you should vote for, what propositions you think you should vote for or not. And so that's that's our commitment. And as I mentioned before, this week we're going to be looking at some of those propositions. So coming up a little bit later today, uh, we'll look at Proposition 1. We'll start out with number one, talk about that, look at a couple of different sides of it, and uh, hopefully that will shed some light on that for you. And a little bit later on, we'll also get your input uh, on that as well. And also we'll have an expert simple explanation of why we're at eight three what eight point three percent inflation now. There are reasons for that, and uh, we're going to hear from someone who has the ability to to make it to take complex issues yet yeah, break them down, parse them, make them understandable. That'll be coming up uh, today's show as well. And then I've, I'm hoping I can fit this in. I have a big ethical question for you regarding human remains. Yeah, got some questions about that. And then uh, in the not-so-distant future, we'll be talking about border issues. And, of course, that's going to be a big topic uh, coming up in 49 days as well. Before we get to that, I, I saw this today. Let me run it by you, get your input on it. In Texas, Dateline, Texas, and this is from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. The Fifth Circuit has upheld a Texas law that prohibits big social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter from banning users or removing their posts based upon their political opinions. How about that? And that's considered a a big victory for those that are opposed to big tech censorship. Apparently, the Texas law allows people to sue any social media platform with more than 50 million users if they censor posts or suspend or ban accounts based on political opinions. Do you like that? I think that's a good idea. It was backed by... Governor uh, Greg Abbott in Texas and his uh, state attorney general, Ken Paxton. So under the wording of the law, again, it's only the biggest, the largest big tech flat platforms that are affected here, like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and of course, Google. It requires these companies to provide information to the public about the content they remove and the accounts they suspend. You know, that's been very murky. That's That's been shrouded in the past. How many people have I heard 
being interviewed say, well, I got uh, suspended by Facebook or Instagram or, or Twitter, and they had trouble finding out why. It seems to be behind a shroud. Well, according to this law, uh, that information can no longer be shrouded. The big tech companies have to come out and say, this is why we, uh, we did that. Now, the, the big tech companies said, well, wait a minute, we have the right to decide on speech we allow, and uh, that the law results in compelled speech, which the First Amendment forbids. And, and But the Fifth Circuit says, no, 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 we reject the idea, quote, that corporations have a freewheeling First Amendment right to censor what people say. They also, the Fifth Circuit said, these platforms don't have the right to muzzle free speech. You like that? I like it. Now, whether or not it will be able to be, I can't see California passing that because with the uh, supermajority in California, I think there's uh, a propensity. There, there's a love of being able to shut down what you don't like. And uh, it would seem that big tech is aligned with, or vice versa, the supermajority in, uh, in Sacramento. What do you think? Do you like this? <clears throat> Texas, social media law. Very, very interesting. Our number here, 209-551-3483. Do you like that thought? Do you like that decision by the Fifth, the fifth Circuit Court of Appeals? 209-551-3483. You see, as it stands right now, if you or I go on one of the big platforms and we criticize, for example, wearing masks uh, if, uh, regarding the pandemic, if we criticize uh, prevalent, prevailing public policy regarding the pandemic, if we uh, criticize what's going on at the border, no matter what it might be, if it bumps up against the supermajority then we're likely to get shut down. We've just seen that over and over again. There, there is no free speech right now on big tech social media. And there are al- algorithms that apparently shut these things down. And then somehow the decisions, the rationale are shrouded. They're kept secret. And it often t- oftentimes takes a while and, and you and I are, are little fish in this big sea. Now, the, the big guns who, uh, who may get censored, they have attorneys and they can file suits. That You and I don't have time to do that. Many of us are working two, three, sometimes four jobs and, and try to make ends meet. We don't have time to go sue big tech, and so basically we have to roll over and uh, obey them in terms of playing dead. But this is uh, the, this f- addresses that. I don't know if it tr- uh, fixes it at all, but it certainly addresses it. So now, if, uh, if you're in Texas anyway, if Facebook or Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Google shuts you down, removes one of your posts, or suspends you for exercising your free speech, 
then you have the right to uh, to sue them. And the uh, Fifth Circuit, again, I, I find this amazing. They're saying, quote, corporations have a freewheeling First Amendment right to censor what people say. No, we reject that. And the court also said, the Fifth Circuit also said that these big tech platforms don't have a right to, quote, muzzle free speech. Now, we enjoy that here on the Mike Douglas Show. We are live and local, and we enjoy the privilege of being able to disagree with each other and and do it without being, hopefully, disagreeable. But when it comes to big tech on social media, that's not necessarily the case. And we've seen that with uh, doctors who have gone against the grain, whether they're right or wrong. There was a quote not long ago that that said something to the effect that uh, First Amendment rights, the right of free speech is not about being right, it's about information. That's the whole point of the marketplace of ideas, isn't it? To be able to put out different points of view, consider them all, and then decide on our own which one we feel is more valid, which one we feel is true, which one we feel makes the better case. But you see, we haven't had that for a long while. What we've had is big tech deciding what's true or not true. And big tech is not God, for goodness sakes. Thank God they aren't God. So I'm I'm encouraged by this, whether or not that will have an effect upon the rest of the nation, I don't know. So what do you think? Do you support this decision by the uh, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals? Do you like that new Texas law that's been affirmed by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals? 209-551-3483, our number 209-551-3483. Another thing I like is people who know their business. And when it comes to real estate, I need help in that department. Mortgage, cra- uh, mortgage, mortgage rate increases are impacting home sales right now. Wall Street Journal reports home sales are down an average of 20% from this time last year. That's amazing. Well, there's one agent I trust with selling. I trust him to sell my own home during a market like this, a market slowdown. That's Dan Phipps. Now, look, are you worried uh, that you may have missed the boat on a top dollar sale for your home? Well, call the agent I trust and recommend. Call Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or Dan will sell it for free. His home selling program, it's designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control. No required costly repairs. No long-term contracts tracks, by the way, and Dan can, you you say, hey, you pick your move date and I'll even try to help you find a new home before you move. It's a great deal. William and Modesto had a rental property and he needed to cash out right away. A high price was William's first priority, but he had a tenant and couldn't fix up the place for a bigger price. So Dan Phipps said, I think I can uh, I can uh, deal with that. I can get what we need regardless. And he marketed the place hard, sold it for the same price as similar homes in the area that had been upgraded, believe it or not. 
Dan Phipps, he's good. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend. I'd hire him to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. So call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111 or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three P's, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. And the Mike Douglas Show will continue in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A pastor with passion, a minister with manners. Now back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, Still thinking about the social media law that's been affirmed in Texas by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Very interesting. Again, this Texas law now affirmed by the Court of Appeals will allow people to sue any social media platform with more than 50 million users if they censor their posts or if they suspend or ban their accounts based upon political opinions. Seems to me that should be the the mission of these big tech companies anyway, to offer that First Amendment right, that marketplace of ideas. The marketplace of ideas is not about bringing in one opinion. The marketplace of ideas is all about various opinions converging, and so that the American public can take a look at all of them, synthesize them, think about them, and then rationally, hopefully, <clears throat> make a decision about uh, what position they want to take on, on those particular issues. I'm wondering if this will encourage at least people in Texas to be a little more open and honest on social media. Now, I don't post a lot on social media, and there's a reason for that. And that is, I look at, I look at discussions on social media, and to me, they become very circular. Uh, they become very antagonistic. Uh, they devolve into name calling, and uh, it just, to me, it, it 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 it's a poor reflection on on human nature. And so, I intentionally do not, and and many of you will notice that. I do not debate things. I do not discuss things on social media. Now, I'll use social media to do a funny picture of my cat or occasionally if I'm flying the colors on a holiday, I'll take a picture of the colors fluttering in the breeze. Uh, but generally, I don't put any, I, I, I don't get into heavy stuff controversial issues on social media. That's what this show is for. That's why we're here on the air. This is where it takes place live here on the Mike Douglas show. So I don't, I don't do that on, on social media. I don't really even do it on email. I acknowledge emails and such, but I I don't get into big discussions on email. One of the reasons is uh, when, when you're doing this on uh, electronic media, you, you can't really get a sense for where the other person really is. Uh, you can't tell, you can't see their body language, you can't see their eyes, uh, you, you can't watch their expressions, and so a lot of communication is lost in that regard. And you just don't 
get a, I mean, you know how this goes in, in the acting business. You know, when you're auditioning, oftentimes they will give you a line and they'll ask you to read it in several different ways. And if maybe the line is a simple thing, I'm tired. Well, it could be, I'm tired or I'm tired or I'm tired. So it's just, you can't always tell what's behind the words if you don't at least see and hear who's speaking them. And so that's why I don't engage in big discussions and debates on social media. I think it's dysfunctional for me. Now, for you, maybe you do. And, and if you do engage in a lot of conversations on social media, by the way, I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying why I don't do it. Do you, would, would this free you up if, if you were living in Texas? And maybe you don't care. And maybe some of you, I, have any of you been censored by Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or Instagram? I've, I haven't, but I just don't spend a lot of time on, on those uh, platforms. But I'd be interested to know, have, have you ever been censored by them? And, and would this type of a law, would that make you feel you were more free? And I, I would guess maybe that the big tech companies would say, eh, you know, rather than risk a bunch of pesky lawsuits, rather than suffer death by 10,000 cuts, uh, maybe we'll just let them say what they need to say. But you see, then, then it defeats part of their worldview, so to speak, in allowing opinions they don't agree with to be on their platform. I and mean, that's really what it amounts to, isn't it? I mean, they, they can justify it all they want. Well, that's not science. Well, you don't have evidence. Well, everyone knows that's not true. No, not everybody knows that. And whether or not it's true is not the point. The point of the First Amendment, the point of free speech, the point of the marketplace of ideas is to get ideas out there, whether they're good or bad, whether they're true or untrue. Again, the point is not whether the ideas and the thoughts and the perspectives are true or not. The idea is to get them out there. The idea is to provide information. The idea is to provide this philosophy of the marketplace of ideas. It's very hard, and and even, you know, I'm pretty sure of a lot of my perspectives on things, but I often listen to other points of view to cross-check. A, Am I able to explain why I believe things the way I believe them? And B, there are times when in a counter-argument, in a point-counterpoint exercise, when I discover a point at least I need to consider, and sometimes it may cause me to revisit and possibly change my perspective. So you see how important it is, but we can't do that. I, I can't have that experience of, of hearing, understanding, reading other ideas, and maybe grabbing a nugget or two off or of, uh, out of opposing ideas if I'm not allowed to see them or read them or hear them. 
Now, in general, those ideas that would basically be opposed to mine are probably not the ones that are going to be censored. Uh, <laughs> my perspectives probably are the ones that are likely to be censored and, uh, and those of, of my ilk. But anyway, I'm, I'm just wondering if this may free some people up, at least in Texas, to say, wow, well, maybe I'll weigh in on this particular subject so I don't, I don't feel uh, the fear of being shut down or canceled uh, or uh, terminated, so to speak, my account terminated by the social, um, by the social media folks. So I, I like it. I like that uh, Texas law. I'd be very interesting, uh, very interested to see how that is, uh, how that's going to uh, play out. All right, coming up in the not-too-distant future, we're going to talk about Prop 1, Proposition 1, coming up in 49 days, and also talk about border policy. Some interesting perspectives coming up shortly. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show, on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. All right, thanks for joining us this afternoon on the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. So much appreciate you um, sharing time with me, 3 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. All right, we're T-minus 49 days until the election on November 8, 2022. And I I have promised you, and we're going to fulfill that promise to provide you with as much information as we can relative to those issues that will be on your ballots uh, come November. And, of course, depending on where you are, uh, the votes actually will not happen on November 8. There will be mail-in ballots, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not fond of them, but it is, it is what it is. So just a quick overview, and then, and then we'll uh, start today with our uh, detailed look at Proposition 1. Proposition 1 is about abortion, provides a state constitutional right to what they call reproductive freedom, That's code for killing babies inside their mothers uh, and possibly outside their mothers, including uh, the right to an abortion. Uh, Prop 26 uh, and 27 are both about gambling. Looking forward to this one. This one we'll, we'll need to spend some time on, both of these, because I think they get confusing. 26 uh, basically legalizes sports betting at American Indian Gaming Casinos uh, and licensed racetracks in California. Prop 27 is, uh, they, they, they don't go together. They're really working somewhat in opposition to each other. Anyway, Prop 27, also dealing with gambling, that legalizes mobile sports betting and dedicates revenue to uh, some, uh, well, they're, they're saying it will benefit California Solutions to homelessness and mental health support. There's an account for that and to the Tribal Economic Development account. And we'll talk about that later. Prop 28, again, I'm just reviewing these quickly, uh, requires funding for K-12 art and music education. Prop 29 uh, is about health care. That's... Uh, 
That's uh, getting back to uh, some things we've talked about in, in previous years. Enact staffing requirements, reporting requirements, ownership disclosure, and closing requirements for chronic dialysis clinics. Prop 30 deals with taxes and transportation, increases the tax on personal income. Gee, that's what we need in California. And dedicates revenue to zero-emission vehicle projects and wildfire prevention programs. And then Prop 31 deals with a a ban on flavored tobacco sales. So that's a quick overview. Let's get down to brass tacks, so to speak, here on Proposition 1. And by the way, if you'd like to weigh in on your opinions of Prop 1, what you know about it, what you would like others to know about it. Our phones are open, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. All right, Proposition 1, what would it do? It would actually amend the California Constitution to enshrine, so to speak, a fundamental right to abortions. They use the word reproductive freedom. You notice how they don't come out and say what it is. They, they make up words that mask what it's really about. And, and to me, if we're being honest about it, why, why say it's reproductive freedom? The, to the baby that's being killed, it's not about reproductive freedom. There's no freedom there at all. Anyway, includes uh, this would be in the California Constitution, includes the right to uh, choose to have an abortion and the right to choose or refuse contraceptives. I don't quite understand the furor over contraceptives. Uh, I think they're fanning a flame there that maybe isn't worth fanning, but uh, I'm, I don't know that that's a big issue. But anyway, uh, now what, what's interesting is these rights are already protected by state law. So in, in some ways, they're saying, eh, probably not a lot of financial impact upon California, really. So why is it on the ballot? Well, again, there's already a right to privacy guaranteed by the California Constitution, but it's not explicitly defined. So it's been understood in the California Constitution that it would preserve the right to abortions, and uh, that includes a decision by the California Supreme Court. And uh, abortion and contraceptive access were, were later protected in state law. So anyway, the whole big deal with this is that, of course, the U.S. Supreme Court in June, uh, in its Dobbs decision, overturned Roe v. Wade. So what's happening apparently is those who promote and are pro-abortion fear that if there's I don't know that it's a huge fear, but it, if the supermajority changes and goes the other way in Sacramento, that many of these abortion rights uh, might be taken away. So their idea is let's put it in the California Constitution. Now, always with these propositions, I like to look at who is supporting them and who is opposing them. That tells me a lot. In fact, when I see campaign political commercials on television, I will uh, I'll squint with my my new my new Star Trek eyes. Uh, 
love them. The surgeries have opened up a new world to me. Anyway, I I look with uh, my my left eye is for short distances. My right eye is for long di- distances. It's called monovision. And between all that, my brain processes it, and I can see most anything at any uh, at any distance. So anyway, I squint and run up to the television and look at the fine print. Who who are the and notice it's always fine print. You can barely read. And it's not there very long. I like to look at, see if I can catch who are or what are some of the organizations that are behind this particular proposition. All right, so let's take a look at that. Who is supporting Proposition 1? Well, let's, uh, let's take a look at it. Uh, obviously, the Yes on One Committee... Uh, but uh, abortion rights groups, including Planned Parenthood, affiliates of California, uh, NARAL Pro-Choice California, the California Medical Association is for it. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists is for it. The League of Women Voters of California supports it. SEIU, the union in California, is for it. Equality California, Governor Gavin Newsom uh, U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein, U.S. Senator Ad- Alex uh, Padilla, and uh, other Democratic officials in the state. Who else is supporting up Prop 1? Uh, Senate, uh, California's Senate President to Tem, uh, Pro Tem Tony Atkins, uh, Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon, and a lot of other Democratic legislators. Obviously, the California Democratic Party is supporting it. And an organization called Healthcare for All California. Now the opponents are saying, "Look, this is unnecessary to protect reproductive rights, so to speak, in California abortions." Uh, but but the opponents, and this is one of my concerns, is it's written so broadly that it can. It can go way beyond what we might think it would be addressing at the moment. And there could be a lot of court battles to clear up what does this language mean. So there's a, a concern that the measure would override state regulations that now limit abortions after the point when a fetus is viable on its own outside the womb. If you remember when we talk about a viable fetus, That means that the fetus, if it's viable, can survive on its own outside the womb. How long is that? Generally, it's thought to be about 24 weeks of pregnancy. And these late-term abortions are currently only legal if the health or life of the mother is threatened. So the language of Prop 1 is so general and vague that the concern is that you could actually make a case under it for killing the baby after it's born. There, there are no restrictions here. All right, so who are the folks that are against this? Uh, the California Alliance of Pregnancy Care, the Pacific Justice Institute, great organization, by the way, great, great work. Brad Dacus, a longtime uh, friend of ours, uh, heads that up, has just been doing stellar work for many, many years 
in upholding uh, the rights especially of uh, Christian organizations, faith-based organizations, in, uh, when, when they're persecuted, basically, and uh, defending uh, nonprofits and uh, churches even when there appear to be unfair applications of the law. Uh, the California Catholic Conference is also against Prop 1. The International Faith-Based Coalition against it, and as is the California Republican Party. So that's the that's the quick overview of what it would uh, look like. So basically, the California legislature in June voted to add an initiative to the ballot, and that's what this is that would ensure all abortions without limitation to be protected right up to the moment of birth. It would permit, possibly, late-term abortion. Well, why do you say that, Mike? Well, because it doesn't prohibit it. And and that's the issue here is this Proposition 1, I feel, is so broad that it becomes very dangerous uh, in terms of its uh, its application. What do you think about Proposition 1? What's your position on it? 209-551-3483, our number. 209-551-3483. I'll be back in three minutes and we can talk about it. Here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, We are beginning our examination of the propositions that will be on the ballot in 49 days here in California. Just uh, finished analyzing uh, the abortion proposition, I'll call it. Prop 1, again, if you'd like to weigh in on that, if you uh, approve it, if you disapprove of it, your opinion on it, 209-551-3483. By the way, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom today is speaking at the Clinton Global Initiative meeting in New York City about climate action in California. Here's one of his quotes from today. With all due respect to Governor Abbott and others, they're as dumb as they want to be. They're doubling down on stupid. We won't follow their path. Well, there we go. Thank you, Governor Newsom, for your uh, well-articulated analysis of what's going on. By the way, this was very interesting. Remember last week, I talked to you about the signs, the billboards, that Governor Newsom is paying for out of his uh, Newsom for Governor campaign fund. Uh, these billboards advertising abortion are being put up in about seven other states, inviting uh, these the states, by the way, that have restrictions on abortions, basically invites people to come to California to have their abortions. And I, uh, on Sunday morning, I put one of these billboards or a a copy of it up on our uh, big screen uh, during our worship service. And it says, and I talked to you about it last week, it shows a a very young lady looking pensively to the right and to the right are these words, need an abortion? California is ready to help. Visit 
abortion.ca.gov to learn more. And then there's some little tiny fine print in italics, and I, I drew a red circle around it with a yellow arrow, and I blew it up so that people could see it. And when they saw it, I actually heard audible gasps in the worship center. A lot of people hadn't seen this, and and they gasped when when they saw saw what Governor Newsom did here. So he's advertising, if you need an abortion, come to California. We're ready to help. Here's the website. And then in fine print is this quote from Scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Now he's citing Mark 12, 31. There's uh, in, in context, uh, you can also look it up in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, and the whole concept of loving your neighbor as yourself, uh, not new to the New Testament. You can also uh, go back to uh, Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy as well and see that same thing. So anyway, uh, the, the reason I'm bringing that up is if you have not seen this, I, I would recommend that you take a look at it if you're interested. If you haven't found it yet, I would be happy to email you a picture of it. Just email me at mikeon1360 at gmail.com, mikeon1360 at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to uh, send you a copy of it. I've, I found a lot of people either could not find it or were unfamiliar with it. And so I, if, if you'd like a copy of it, I would be more than happy to supply that to you. Again, email me, mikeon1360 at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to send you either a, a JPEG or a PDF file uh, showing that particular, uh, that particular picture. Well, thinking about the elections coming up and Prop 1 and all the other propositions that are on there, and by the way, as, as the weeks progress, we'll be looking at each of those propositions, so not to worry, uh, we'll make sure that, uh, that we get them in. Uh, but this interesting note here from Rasmussen Reports, this is from uh, last month, uh, 62% of all voters that they talk to are concerned about the possibility of cheating in the November 2022 elections. That's 49% of Democrats, 54% of independents, 82% of Republicans, and uh, 60% of, uh, of black voters. All right, let's go to the phones. We have about a minute left, 60 seconds. Uh, let's hear from Debbie and Stanislaus. Debbie, what's on your mind? Well, I'll try to get it in fast. I have three comments, so that's going to be kind of hard, Mike. At any rate, the vote absolutely will be fixed. There's no possibility it'll be any other way. It's not going to be a fair vote. That's number one. Number two, our governor doesn't have any right to talk for the citizenry of the state of California. We have to be able to vote. He doesn't have our mouth. He doesn't have our heart or our brains. That's number two. Number three, him making comments against the two governors until he's in those shoes he has no right to open his mouth at all thank you for taking my call have a good day bye debbie that was well done i i congratulate you and thank you i i, I gave you the reality of the time limit and i gotta run debbie well done 
Excellent job. All right, coming up in five minutes, we'll also take a look at border policy and an ethical question. That's in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Back after news, weather, and traffic. The shows you love. Talking about the issues that are important to you. The Voice of the Valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now every weekday from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome back to our number two of the Mike Douglas Show here on this fine fall autumnal Tuesday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. I love the fall. I love the season. That uh, Earlier this morning, there was that crispness in the air. Love that crisp feeling and, uh, and such. And, uh, of course, as we get closer, I think tomorrow's the official beginning of fall, if I remember correctly. I love the fall season for a lot of different reasons. All right, we've been talking about... Prop 1, we did some analysis on that. We will be taking a look at the other propositions as well as the days and weeks progress. also talked about uh, Governor Newsom and his comments about Governor Abbott and some others uh, this morning as he is in New York City talking about climate change. And this will be interesting. Let's go to the phones, 209-551-3483. And John from Brentwood, Let, let's hear about a phone call you made. Yeah, hey, Mike. The other morning, the other day, I dropped off my wife's car for service in Tracy, and I was going to kill some time, so I walked, the, you know, a little bit down the road and was going to PetSmart and where other stores and stuff are. And I noticed these two little girls playing like kickball in the overflow side parking lot of PetSmart. I said, "What are these two kids, you know, playing out here?" I didn't see any adults. I did, you know, just scanned a little further, and I saw a small travel trailer with a lady inside. looked like she was busy inside. So I take it they were homeless and living there and just parked in the Tracy PetSmart parking lot. And then to the left, under the trees, was a larger mobile home, and a family was living in that. So I decided to call the governor's office and you know ask them you know these billboards going up with all these you know free abortions come to our state you know we'll pay for you to get here we'll pay for your abortion all this crap so i with the question of just where is the funding coming from because it seems to me with the the homeless pup just it's just getting worse i mean if you got whole families living in in pet smart parking lots we're we're in a world of hurt so i just wanted to express my opinion i think the money could be probably better spent on other things and they refused to answer my question. They said that's a campaign issue. And I said, well, if it's a campaign <laughs> issue, he's putting up signs. It is the governor of California. This is his office in Sacramento. You have to know something about it. This is a campaign issue. And then they hung up on me. Are so you I would serious? Urge everyone. Yes, I would urge. They, they refused to answer. They told me to call the campaign office that they were not talking about that. So I urge everyone to call Governor Newsom's office and ask about it and just flood that place with calls, because that's ridiculous. If he's putting this crap out there and you call his campaign office and they refer or you call his office, he is the governor. He is putting these billboards up and they tell you that they're not talking about it. You need to call the campaign office. That is just, to me, a bunch of bull. I'm 
Well, I want to say I'm flabbergasted, but then I'm thinking about it for a moment, and, and maybe I'm not. John, that's uh, that that's unconscionable. Uh, this is the governor of California, and his office refused to answer a legitimate question that uh, that you made. So the the issue is, we're not going to talk to you about anything we think is uncomfortable. You have to talk to the campaign side. I presume, John, because the funding for the billboards is coming out of his campaign fund. Do you think that's why? That could be, but still, the, the funding for the campaign that that's fine. If it's coming for the billboards, that's fine. But the meaning and what's going to happen because of the billboards is not a campaign thing. That is a state issue. Right. If we're going to fly people here from other states and give them abortions, it's the money's going to have to come from somewhere. And the the people of California have a right to know where the money is coming from. Who's paying for all this? So it it may be a campaign issue as far as paying for the billboards, but that's as far as that goes. I don't want to know who's paying for the billboards. I want to know who's going to be paying for the abortions and to get the people here and to get them back home. That's what I want to know. And and so just to review, John, was that your initial question to them? Who is or what is funding uh, the invitation to come and have the abortions? Was, was that your initial question? No, my initial question was I've, I've, I've heard about the billboards that the governor is putting up to fly people here for abortions because if, if they're restricted in their state. And I'm just wondering who is paying for all, you know, who is paying for the abortions, who is paying to get these people here? And I was told that that was a campaign issue. All right. So you're simply asking, all right, these billboards are out there in other states. They're inviting people to come to California. Who's who's paying for that? Who's paying for the transportation? And once they get here, who's paying for the abort- abortions? A legitimate question. I think, John, and I'm I'm uh, I'm amazed that there wasn't a forthright answer. Uh, John, thanks for sharing that. Appreciate that very much. Uh, John from Brentwood. Interesting call. And it's uh, it's like the there's a pastor friend of mine that talks about the American coat of arms. And the American coat of arms is this. He, he crosses uh, his two arms in front of him with his finger pointed in opposite directions. In other words, saying the American coat of arms, often for politicians, is directing you elsewhere. You know, it's, it's go to that person, go to that person. Don't, don't ask me. Don't make me answer that. Well, that's certainly what's at, at work here. I would think, especially coming up, especially since uh, Prop 1, is on the ballot that the governor's office would want to answer that question, that the governor's office would want to be up front and answer the question, where's the funding coming from? What what sources of funding? Are, are we the taxpayers funding the people to come here to get abortions and to get the abortions themselves? Or are we footing that bill? Is it coming out of private insurance? Is it coming out of nonprofits? It's a legitimate question. And I'm sure they know the answer to that, because if we've got if the governor's putting billboards up in seven other states, then obviously his office has to know uh, what what the rationale is behind all of that. John, I'm uh, again, I want to say I'm flabbergasted, but maybe not. Maybe it's just indicative of where the governor is. These days, and again, my friends, my feeling is this has 
this has evil overtones. This almost has to to use scripture to, and I I'll get off my soapbox in a moment. But to use scripture to justify bringing people to our state to kill their babies, to me is a demonic act. It's demonically influenced. People with the right mind don't put up billboards and use God's own word to contradict Judeo-Christian ethics. It's just, uh, it's sad. And do I think that he will be deposed, so to speak, on November 8th? Probably not, but we all need to vote. We all need to vote. There are 49 days left, T-minus 49 days, and if, if that colors your opinion on Governor Newsom and how you're going to vote about him versus Brian Dolly, then good. Our idea here is to pique your interest, to give you information, accurate information, and then allow you to make the decisions you need to make. Well, another big burner coming up in November on November 8, and this not only deals uh, with us in California, uh, because we are uh, bordering, so to speak, a border state, but it is a national issue as well. It is a big, heated national issue, and that's border, the border, securing the border, and what type of immigration policy ought we to have? Seems like both Democrats and Republicans in Washington and in Congress have kicked the can down the road for decades. Yeah, there was an uh, interesting interview that was done uh, yesterday by Representative Ro Khanna. Uh, he represents California's 17th district. That's uh, Cupertino area, Newark, San Jose, Fremont, Milpitas, Santa Clara, Sunnyvale, that area, era, uh, area. Anyway, he he made some interesting statements about George W. Bush's immigration policy that never sought the light of day. You may find this fascinating. I did, and we'll talk about it in three minutes. Coming up here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Let's talk about the issue at the border. It's a mess. It's just a mess. Two million plus have come over the border in this fiscal year. We got a month left. Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, although being appointed to be um being uh, announced as the borders are, so to speak, really has barely been there, uh, except I think one brief visit and has done pretty much nothing regarding the issue. So it was very interesting yesterday morning, Monday morning on uh, Fox News America reports with Sandra Smith and John Roberts, uh, Congressman Ro Khanna, was interviewed. And again, he's a Democrat representing uh, California's 17th district. Again, major cities, San Jose, Newark, Santa Clara, Sunnyvale, Cupertino, Fremont, Milpitas. 
And Ro Khanna was was asked for his assessment of what the problem is at the border and what we need. Here's his response from yesterday. Well, there are more border agents down there, in my view, uh, by the numbers than were even there under President Obama or President Bush. So, but why is it not secure? Let's have an honest conversation. One of the reasons is you have employers here saying, come, come work for us. People are trying to come across the border. They're coming without the paperwork, and many of them want to go back, but there's no process. And this is why we had a gang of eight. We had comprehensive immigration reform. We said people who want to come here to work and go back, there should be a process. That was was President George W. Bush's proposal, and we can have increased technology and security at the border. There was a bipartisan deal. If we really want to solve the problem, why not do that? And there are many of us who are willing to work to do that instead of just yelling at each other, which doesn't solve the problem, and it gets worse and worse every year. That was interesting. I can uh, I can align with most of, of what everything he uh, with everything that he said. And that was very interesting. Uh, they asked him a very uh, simple and poignant question. <clears throat> Did he think Vice President Harris is doing a good job on the border? Well, he tap danced around that quite a bit. Here's, here was his ultimate response to that question. I think we need a better solution on comprehensive immigration reform. And so what I would say to the vice president is help lead to get comprehensive immigration reform done. There is a framework that President George W. Bush did. He was a border state governor. He had a proposal back in the early 2000s. I think if we could just do that, and by the way, the House has passed a proposal that would allow people to come here as guest workers and then go back. It's not even path to citizenship. Why can't we at least do things like that that would reduce the tension? You know, I understand the ranchers on the border. I understand people are coming over. They're destroying the property. In many cases, they're, they're unsafe. I'm sympathetic to that. I understand that. That has to be fixed. At the same time, many of these ranchers want people to hire. So how do we fix this? Well, there's a, pro- a guest worker program that would solve a lot of it. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't a Democratic idea. It was a Republican president, President George W. Bush. I'm saying let's just pass that and we can step, take a step forward. Are you surprised by that? Very interesting. A Democrat in Congress right now saying, hey, l- we, let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's go back and, and do what... President George W. Bush proposed many, what, 15, 16 years ago. And uh, we'll revisit uh, some of those. I'm not going to read the whole thing because we'd be here till next week. But I'll hit some of the highlights of uh, President Bush's uh, proposals regarding the uh, border here in a moment. By the way, he was interviewed, uh, let's see, April 2021. I think it was, and uh, he was asked by uh, Nora O'Donnell about his, you know, disappointments that he had, and he referred to uh, the the border as one of those uh, big uh, big disappointments. And uh, let me see if I can pull this up very quickly. It's uh, I think it's 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 fascinating. Uh, here we go. This is uh, again. Uh, George Bush being interviewed by Nora O'Donnell, and I think this was April 2021. Oh, a lot of executive orders, but all that means is that Congress isn't doing its job. Isn't that interesting? 
He's, <laughs> he's saying he's very disappointed. He said there's been a lot of executive orders, but basically, basically Congress hasn't been doing its job. Well, here's a Democrat in 2022, Ro Khanna, saying why reinvent the wheel? Seems like George W. Bush had some reasonable thoughts uh, many years ago, level, I don't know, 16, 17 years ago, whatever it is. Why don't we look at that? What were some of the main burners? Well, he talked about securing the border. Now, I I know many people are saying, look, for, forget closing the border. Let's just deal with immigration policy. I'm, I don't believe that's a, that's the good way to approach it. I, I think we need to secure the border first. That's easily done. And then start addressing immigration reform. What do we do about people who are crossing the border illegally for the first time? What do we do about immigrants who are presently here? But we have to secure the border first. If we let that go, it's going to continue to result in more fentanyl coming over the borders. It's going to result in more crime coming over the borders, people who have been convicted. I mean, a week doesn't go by that we see they catch someone who has been convicted of a felony before trying to reenter the United States, and, and a lot of them were, were violent. Here's, here's what's behind my philosophy on this very quickly. When I was in law enforcement and when I was a, a reserve with Pasadena PD, I did a lot of traffic control down at the Rose Bowl. UCLA games were every week and, and such. and uh, So we were down there every weekend during football season directing traffic. And, what I, and I had one of the most busy intersections uh, that there were. Uh, it was uh, Orange Grove, and I forget the cross street. But anyway, lots of cars coming in. And what I found is when that intersection started to get out of control, when, when uh, there were too many cars and it just was getting out of control, the, the best way to get it under control was to stop everyone. Just stop all traffic. Stop it, and then one by one, let each position start to come through. That way you gain control of it. You cannot control things when they're out of control. You, you have to stop it if you have the power to do so, regain control, and then start implementing the strategies that are needed to make that intersection, so to speak, manageable. And I think... In, in my little mind, that this applies to the border as well. We need to get control of it, stop the fentanyl coming through, stop the, uh, the, the horrible uh, sexual attacks on women and children that are happening. Stop all of that, then let's get down to brass tacks. Let's deal with the policies, and uh, in about five minutes, we'll review some of the points from... President George W. Bush's plan for a comprehensive immigration reform. Find out if you think that they might work today. That's coming up in five minutes on the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We'll be back.
Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We've been talking about Congressman Ro Khanna being on Fox News yesterday morning. And as as a Democrat in uh, basically Bay Area of California saying, look, we don't have to reinvent the wheel on dealing with the border. President George W. Bush had a decent plan that we can adopt. How do you think about what do you think about that? Should should we take this Democrat's advice and and engage in the plan that Congress refused to engage in when he was president? Um, I'm not going to go over the I mean, several pages here, so I'm not going to go over all the details. But let me just look at the broad strokes here as you're thinking about this. Our phone number two zero nine five five one three four eight three. Do you think Democrats and Republicans can come together under something similar to George W. Bush's uh, proposal while he was president? 209-551-3483. Some of the broad brush strokes from President George W. Bush. And this was, uh, what, two, yeah, I think it was 2007 uh, in the State of the Union. He, he uh, presented some of these. Uh, the United States must secure its borders, talks about border patrol numbers increase and technology being used, uh, ending catch and release for illegal aliens. I uh, talked about the uh, expedited removal, which would allow the U.S. to send illegal immigrants home more quickly and uh, talked about working very closely with ICE. And we've seen about 180 degrees uh, uh, away from that in current policy. And then he had some provisions about holding employers accountable for the workers that they hire. Uh, he also talked about uh, a temporary worker program. And uh, that would, he looked at these principles. I'll, I'll detail uh, three of these very quickly. American workers must be given priority over guest workers. The program must be truly temporary and participation should fluctuate with market conditions. What does that mean? Well, he said when the economy is booming and there are not enough American workers available to help businesses grow, the program should be open to more participants. But when times are tough and Americans struggle to find jobs, the economy cannot and should not uh, support as many guest workers. And he talked about how to deal with undocumented workers that are currently in the country. So, uh, I, and, and he was also talking about a, a rational middle ground between a program of na- of mass deportation and a program of automatic amnesty. Uh, no amnesty, and uh, then in addition to paying a meaningful penalty. Uh, that workers must learn English, pay their taxes, pass a background check, hold a job for a couple of years before they'd be eligible to be considered for legalized status. And then uh, any undocumented worker seeking citizenship would go to the back of the line. 
And he said the program should not reward illegal conduct by making participants eligible for citizenship ahead of those who have played by the rules and followed the law. Do you like what you're hearing here? Apparently, Democratic Congressman Ro Khanna did. And he he said yesterday, let's let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's just come together, Democrats and Republicans, and all other ships at sea, (laughs) and let's make this happen. And again, my, my perspective on that is, I am, I am good with that, but I believe the first step, and Gloria Romero also articulated this over the weekend uh, as she was on some of the weekend shows. And uh, remember Gloria Romero, former um, Democrat and uh, was also the, uh, the lead person for the Democrats in, um, in Sacramento uh, in the Senate. And she articulated that, look, I'm a Latina, I'm a Democrat, and what we have at the moment is absurd. It's atrocious. Let's, uh, let's fix it. So what do you think about George Bush's, George W. Bush's proposals here? It didn't fly in 2007. And again, when he was talking to Nora O'Donnell about, uh, or at least a year and a half ago, Uh, He said that was one of his big regrets is that he could not move Congress to um, to pass or even to uh, amend it and uh, and look at a a decent immigration policy. I, I just I do not understand why both parties have been unwilling to address this. What is it unpopular? Well, look at the devastating effects it's having. And, and it, it, is, it is becoming quickly a, a nonpartisan issue. Both Democrats and Republicans are saying this is not working. It is not working. We must do something about it. All right, let's, uh, let's talk specifically about this, what's happening on the border, your thoughts on it. Let's go to the phones. Kathleen from Oakdale. What are your thoughts, Kathleen? Oh, my thoughts are is that we have to uh, learn how to be a better leadership, a leadership that actually uses industrial production operations management and then invite industrial espionage uh, to uh, do like we do. And the same thing with uh, we have to do better to be a community leadership that actually uses production operations management and then invite the human life traffickers to do as we do. And then we also have to be a, a leadership that actually uses herbal production operations management and then invites other people's quality of life, um, that invites uh, quality of life espionage, actually, um, to uh, do as we do the herbal production operations management. Uh, okay, um, hey, I, hang, yeah, j- just a moment, Kathleen. Let's uh, let's stay in the lane of, of and, I, and I appreciate your passion about that, but let's stay in the lane here of talking about the border. As you think of uh, George W. Bush's uh, proposals that we've discussed, what, what would be the first thing you would recommend we do to solve the issue at the border? 
industrial production operations management leadership and invite them to do the same. Okay, wh- what what does that unpack that these for us? What does that mean? Across the border, uh-huh. and these people that are coming across the border and the countries that they are coming from, and and invite them make industrial production operations management very inviting as far as the trafficking that's coming across the border make community production operations management something that is very inviting and literally invite them okay unpack that term for us i'm not sure that we all understand what you're talking about there production operations management yeah yeah now unpack that for us in terms of how it applies to the border there's things that, uh, well, it applies to life on Earth is what it applies to. And um, it, uh, see, there's uh, decisions that we do not make, and there are choices that we do not have. And those are the decisions that Earth makes, and those are the choices that Earth has, okay? And um, so that's what production operations management deals with head on. They don't deal with interpretations, and they don't deal with opinions. They deal with the... Uh, choices that the earth has and the decisions that the earth makes. And that's what... Okay, so uh, you... uh, I guess what I'm gathering from that is that that we have to look... Your your recommendation would be that we look towards the earth itself uh, to define the policies uh, regarding the border. Okay, um... Tell you what, we're going to take a couple of minutes and I'm going to come back and uh, we'll, we'll fit one more topic in here. 209-551-3483, our number 209-551-3483. Mike Douglas Show will continue in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. You're listening to the Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, talking about solutions to the border crisis. And uh, let's get, uh, th- this is one of our most intelligent callers. Always look forward to him. Jorge from Ceres, uh, what's your perspective on what you've heard today, Jorge? Hi, my perspective is, I don't know what that lady was talking about earlier, but Jesus, Louise, I was born in Mexico, Okay. Uh, um, I have an older brother, older sister, a younger brother, and a younger sister. So I'm the middle child. We all came here legally. From well, my little sister was born here, but we came here legally, and uh, we we did our, our due diligence. And uh, my mom brought us here legally. Thank God, and I thank her for it. But. Uh, there's there's a process for immigration. There is a process that you can use to get in here legally, legally, not illegally. You don't want to bring a, a thousand a week in here because that's uh, that's crazy. Like my uncles, and I'm not going to be gentle about it. Like my uncles did, uncles and aunts, they came here illegally and they became legal citizens of the United States. I came here legally, and then I became a United States citizen, and I was the last one in my family to become a, a citizen, and I'm proud of that. I've been uh, working here f- for a gazillion years. I came here as a youngster. I went through a series high, 
and uh, all the other schools here in Ceres. I still live here in Ceres in my mom's house. And uh, this is crazy. It's like they need to put the, the the border guards like they did when Trump, called Trump, was uh, in charge and stop all this nonsense of uh, illegal immigrants coming in here. Just stop it. But no, uh, the SAR, the <laughs> I like to put my eight and a half foot upper, you know, well, that's another story. But uh, she's no SAR. Oh, it's, it's the, the, the border is secure. The border is secure. No, it isn't, pendeja. Dumbass. I'm sorry for my words, but uh, that's that's what the uh, vice president deserves. Just uh, just just uh, eight and a half double E right up the keister, and I'm um, sure she would like it. Well, now sure Jorge, like let, let let me ask you a question because yes, you you've been through the process, Please. all right? So you you yes, have sir. expertise here. A lot of the rest of us don't have. Going through the process, yes. do you see things that should be improved? Do you think uh, there are things yes, that we should do differently? And if so, get, give us one or two examples. Okay. First of all, uh, the process is already uh, aligned because now we have computers. Back in the, in the early 70s, late 60s, when my mom was doing it for us, I used to go with her to the consulate and sit there for hours and hours. Everything was done by hand. So now we have computers. So anything can be done within a matter of three to six months, tops, I'm guessing, tops. And uh, you're either you're in or you're out. You know, if, if you have any marks on you, you're not coming in. But if you if you have a clean record, like we did, you you're welcome in. Jorge, like how said, all, all how long yes, did sir. it take you to attain citizenship? Oh, a little. I'm um, guessing a little under a year. Okay, all right. Oh no no, excuse me, citizenship. Yeah. Oh no, once I came here, once I came here, I was the last one. I was supposed to be a citizen with my mom, who, who passed away, but uh, I didn't. So I was the last one in my family to become a citizen. So it took me, if I hadn't messed up that appointment, it would have taken me about a little over a year. Okay. Once I, once, once I got here legal, I could present my green card and say, this is who I am. And I want to be a citizen. I don't want to use my green card anymore. So it took a little, about a year. to. They had to check me out again and make sure I, I wasn't a felon and all that other stuff. And and then I just swore in. And so your your thought is so with the technology that we have today, that, that could even uh, take less time, given the technology, right? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, because I did it uh, back in the seventies, and and I mean, my God, stop doing this! This they should put all of them in prison until they can vet them. Or hey, thanks for your call. Uh, 
This it is so frustrating, and it is somewhat refreshing, I think, Jorge, yes. to hear from folks like you who have actually been through the process and, and are saying no. Uh, you know, uh, affirming breaking the law is not the way to go. That we can do this legally, we can still do it efficiently, and uh, I I think for folks like you, your voices need to be heard more and more. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Jorge. I appreciate uh, your call. Uh, Just very very quickly before we go today, and uh, I was going to hold this over to tomorrow. Maybe I can sneak it in very quickly. Remember Soylent Green? Remember that movie? Yeah. Starred Charlton Heston. Who else was in it? Uh, uh, Let's see. Chuck uh, Connors was in there from The Rifleman. Edward G. Robinson. Anyway, the the basic premise, the plot of Soylent Green was, and this is why I'm bringing it up, it was set in the year, guess what year? Soylent Green, which was filmed and produced, or released anyway, in 1973. It was set in the year 2022. That's right, 2022, where we are right now. And the deal was that there was a worldwide famine, and one company called the Soylent Corporation provided uh, these little wafers and such that provided nourishment for people. And Soylent Green was the best one. Not Soylent Red, not Soylent Yellow, but Soylent Green. Well, a detective uh, throughout the movie uh, eventually tumbled to the fact that Soylent Green was made out of people. And, and and nobody knew that. It was a protected secret, and he was in the process of, of uh, they were attempting to assassinate him at the end of the movie. Now, why am I even uh, bringing this up? Human composting. Yeah, apparently uh, some folks uh, in the funeral industry, uh, they, they, they think California need, needs green burial options. That's right. They are they are saying we need to do something better called human composting that's regenerative, sustainable, alternative to traditional burial or cremation. So basically what they do is that uh, they take the human body and they compost it so it can be used, I guess, to, I, I suppose push up daisies uh, to uh, to uh, the here here's my angst about this and and this was part of the silent green movie too by the way elderly people uh they they encouraged them to take part in a process where they were very pleasantly killed uh it, it, it was a, a process that made them feel good I can see human composting. If the folk, if, if the earth is your god, then we need to make the earth the god, and uh, we need to make humans into compost piles so humans can benefit the earth. I think there's an ethical issue there. What about you? All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Take on more issues here on the Mike Douglas Show, 3 to 5 p.m. here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thanks so much for joining me for the conversation today. I'll see you tomorrow at 3.